Hello and welcome to Trek Film Society, the show on Talk Film Society, where we take a look at all of the Star Trek movies with a more critical eye or something like that. I'm Mike, and I'm joined today, as always, by Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? It's going as good as it can be. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, and also Diego. How's it going, Diego? Insurrection! Let's do it! <laughs> Let's tear down everything! Yep, today's movie is Star Trek Insurrection. Um, and, and we're going to be talking about that in a little bit, but we're going to talk about an episode of, of Star Trek first. But before we do that, I have to ask you guys a question. So um, usually every year in like the last week of July, first week in August is the big um, Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And um, they just announced that it has been postponed to December. Oh. December 8th, which still... There's a lot of question marks, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to yes. say the least, yes. to say the mm-hmm. least. But I'm thinking you guys should come out to Vegas <laughs> and we should party like it's, uh, I don't know, like it's, it's a good year to party. I don't know. What, ter- what year does the first Star Trek episode take place in? Uh, t- 2266. Then we're going to party like it's 2366. I'm down. Okay. Yeah, it's right. only like an eight-hour drive for me. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who drive from from LA to yeah. Vegas, you know, and just yeah. I'm in I'm in Texas, but I've always wanted to go to Vegas. So do I, it. Maybe they just moved the venue. They used to do it at the Rio, which mm-hmm. was the. I mean, it was cool because it was like really self-contained, and it's like it's a hotel, and like everyone going was staying at the hotel, and all the guests were staying at the hotel. So you know, you would just like you'd be having breakfast, and it's like oh. You know, there's, uh, you know, Terry Farrell sitting over there, Dax, you know, Lieutenant Dax. And it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, like that sort of thing. But now I think because of, well, everything. I mean, the Rio Rio had some issues. Like it was not on the strip. Uh, There was one year where a ton of people got sick and that may or may not have been related to uh, like a a Legionnaire's disease outbreak at the the hotel. Um, But, you know, um, now they've moved it to the strip and it's at this new convention center that caesar's has and it's literally a five minute walk from the in and out burger which i mean is is nothing nothing for diego right because you have in and out burgers all over the place Mm -hmm. but for the two of us well i've i uh, there's in and out burgers uh i mean places here in austin mike and i used to live uh, yeah they it it just Uh it just expanded to texas maybe like five years ago like we, we got our first one five years ago and now we have like f- like four of them across town in austin and i used to live right next to in and out burger and i'm thankful i moved to some place where there isn't an in and out burger in, you know at my reach because i'd be having like a double double animal style animal fries and a strawberry shake right now because that's, that's yeah. that'd be my regular but yes um still though enticing <laughs> I'm, I'm just good burgers. Yeah. All right. Well, who knows? If there's a vaccine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's that's like the tip of the iceberg. If there's a vaccine, <laughs> if if the if the uh, if the unrest uh, settles down, I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe no, it sh- maybe it shouldn't settle down, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got six months to figure this out. We'll, yeah. see, how it goes. we'll, we'll see how uh, the pandemic goes. We'll see how America is in six months. 
But if America is, if America <laughs> is still around in six months, but I'm interested. I'm seriously, okay. I'll, 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 I mean, because like I, I had plans to go to a horror film festival like at the end of May, which of course didn't happen for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I always want to timestamp these episodes because I, I find I, I don't know why I find it interesting. If anybody, if well, people who are going to listen to this a few months from now. Um, if they're, if you're curious, we're recording this in the midst of the pandemic. Um, the Black Lives Matter protests are still ongoing, uh, but we're like two weeks into those. Um, and uh, what was my point? Uh, oh, timestamp. So, I, I mean, uh, I was supposed to go to that horror film festival like a few weeks ago, but of course that didn't happen. So I have like allotted travel time and money, which, which I could go to someplace at the end of this year. So, yeah, why not? Why not, Mike? Okay, you know, the thing about the Star Trek convention, it's 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 not like San Diego or something where it's just like this crazy like ah, you know, it is a lot smaller and it's so laid back. Like nobody there's no you're never going to be standing in a line. Like oh, the longest God. line is to like hash house a go-go in the mornings, you know what I mean? Like it is just completely chill. It's just a bunch of people who basically go to the convention during the day while they're killing time before they can go to the bar at night. You know, it is so relaxed and, uh, you know, whatever. I like relaxed because, I mean, the film festival I was talking about, it's um, the Overlook Film Festival in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And that just takes place at three theaters across New Orleans. But if you ever, I mean, last year I went and all I did was just drink and watch movies. That's no, awesome. no, no waiting in line. Just sit down, watch a yeah. movie, go outside, get a drink, walk around in the sunlight. Beautiful. That's all I want. Yeah, oh, and I won't yeah. be able to go to LA Comic Con this year because they're not going to yeah. have one. Have so it. perfect. Yeah. I, I need something to, to back it up. So, and I'm, yeah, I didn't go to the South by Southwest uh, because that got canceled. Yeah. And I'm assuming the other fest I always go to, Fantastic Fest in September. That's a question mark. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So. Yeah. yeah, December, Vegas. Who knows? We could record an episode there. Hell yeah! yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we've done that before. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean you you know you know uh, Brandon Shea Mutala, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. We were because he goes. He's well, at least he was going to go. I don't know if he still is, but <laughs> yeah. you know he 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 goes you know pr- pretty frequently. And he was there like a couple of years ago when they brought Patrick Stewart out on stage to announce the new Picard show, yeah. and afterwards like. He and I and a bunch of other people went and recorded like a podcast like the mo- the minute after it happened. That's great. Anyway, um, yeah. So who knows? Maybe we'll get one of those things too. You never know. All right. So, insurrection. Before we get into this, I think we should talk about the episode uh, that we were watching this week because it really kind of sets the stage for where the world of Star Trek was at this point in time. Not, not well, I mean, kind of uh, in terms of, like, the media landscape, but more importantly, in terms of, like, the continuity, like what was going on in the 24th century at this point in time. So the episode that we picked was uh, an episode of Deep Space Nine, from season six called In the Pale Moonlight, 
which is commonly considered to be the best episode of the show. I mean, there's some, sometimes people say trials and tribulations. Sometimes people say far beyond the stars, but I think in the pale moonlight is the one which is really considered to be like the best. And I don't know. I don't know who, who I should go to first because I mean, Marcelo, this was your first experience watching deep space nine, right? It was. Um, okay, okay, okay. Well, let's go to Diego first yeah, then. Yeah. All right, okay. So, Diego, had you seen this episode before? I had. Uh, it, had okay. been, it had been a while, because I've seen most of Deep Space Nine by now, but yeah. like it, um, watching this again, it was very... Uh, it reminded me that Star Trek does not have to be a happy-go-lucky adventure series only. I like that. Like, that's the ideal Star Trek for me. But I'm comfortable when they go into this territory with murkier waters. And um, I'm really interested to hear what Marcel has to say. But uh, this is the best episode, like, at least top five of Deep Space Nine. Um, It has hard-hitting questions. It reminds me how much I love uh, Cisco. I love... Cisco a lot. I don't think he really gets his credit among the uh, the captains in the Star Trek series, or just as a character in general. Um, and it's a great reminder that even when Star Trek does go dark, its heart and soul can still be in the right place. Because even though this is a, like one of the darkest things Star Trek has ever done, it also shows that like yeah, war. There's no real like good guys. <laughs> With war, participating in war is just going to get everyone's hands dirty. And that's not, like, a good thing either. And that's why people want to avoid it. Good people want to avoid it, at least. So, I very, very profound episode of the series. Yeah, and Marcelo, just so that you know, um, like, this was, like, a huge storyline which lasted, like... I'm going to say, I mean, they were building up to it for, you know, like maybe a year and a half. And then the last like two and a half years of the show were basically just like Deep Space Nine is at war. Like, like the entire it's it's like the equivalent of like a world war. You know what I mean? And um, Deep Space Nine was basically at the front line. And this is. It's not. you know, I mean, there are certain episodes which are like key in terms of like turning points or massive battles or whatever. And this one isn't really that aside from, you know, the, the Romulan involvement. But it, it is, I, I think, a good showcase of uh, that emotional toll and, and what the war actually was um, for the characters in it so and and the reason why i i i bring all that up is because insurrection takes place um with that backdrop right like i mean it kind of doesn't make sense that insurrection is going on at the same time because if the enterprise is the flagship you would think they'd be on the front line but instead you know Picard's getting weird things put on his head. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, so, M- Marcelo, what did you think about uh, not only this episode, but your first uh, introduction to Deep Space Nine? So I had no idea this was considered one of the best um, until I think Mike brought it up maybe you know a few days ago on uh, in our text chain. 
And yeah, just doing a quick Google search, like this Vulture article ranking the best Deep Space Nine episodes, it's at number three. So, who, who, who wrote the Vulture article? Oh, uh, I can look it up as I talk. <laughs> um, but uh, I love this. And I'm surprised that this was made in 1998 and not like 2005. Because yeah, you should see some other episodes of Deep Space Nine. Oh my god! <laughs> By the way, the person who wrote this Vulture article is Angelica Jade Bastine. I believe okay. that's how I pronounce her last name. Um, but no, I am like like this is super dark, and it did remind me of because remind me again, uh, Mike. Um, Deep Space Nine is Ronald D. Moore involved at all? Yes. Um, after Next Generation ended, uh, so like basically uh, in like season three of Deep Space Nine, he joined the writing staff of uh, of Deep Space Nine. He was, um, I mean, there were only like five or six people on it, and he was probably like number three in the room, something like that. Um, Iris Stephen Bear was the the showrunner, and he really kind of. Um, learned a lot from Bear and basically took what he learned from Deep Space Nine and brought that into Battlestar Galactica. So, um, it, like, after after this, he went and did Voyager and, and uh, basically wanted to Deep Space nine five Voyager. And Voyager was like, no, we don't do that here. And he's like, okay, well, then I'm going to leave after, like, two episodes. And then he went off and made Battlestar Galactica. So, yeah. yeah. Because this episode of Deep Space Nine has very, to me, very um, uh, Battlestar Galactica. It has Battlestar Galactica vibes, which I love. Battlestar Galactica is one of my favorite shows ever. I've been meaning to rewatch that recently um, with the state of the world. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's and and seeing um, Cisco, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing him in action. Because I had never seen, uh, yeah, this is my first time, so I had never really seen him, like you know, in action before. And like I, I, I mean, I, I love him now, Captain Cisco. Um, Avery Brooks's performance in this is incredible. Um, and yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it, it presents things as as morally uh, uh, corrupt as they are without really spoon feeding you it just tells you directly this is how it is this is how it's going to go down and i make no apologies that's basically what it says at the end of the episode like that's it's i did it i don't regret it and there you go um and it's it's frightening but it's also like kind of what diego was saying like that's war like like it as i find it insane that this even has to happen like i because again i guess we'll then you know stepping back and I, I this conversation interests me um how and you guys can obviously talk more about this because i don't know um like uh, uh uh i'm assuming a lot of people consider cisco like their favorite captain right i mean that's obvious because everybody has their favorite captain right I mean, there, there are a lot of people who consider that but like if you were to see like a ranking of the captains like he'd probably be like number four like i'd say it'd probably be like kirk picard janeway and cisco i don't know yeah. that'd be my guess because like things that um captain cisco does especially in this episode i don't know what, what else he's done in the other episodes or in the other seasons of deep space nine but i can't see 
Picard or <laughs> Kirk doing them. And that's what I love. I, I love seeing a, mm. a captain kind of, it just, in one episode, just capture his essence and say, hey, I'm not like the other guys. Like, this is how I am going to handle this, handle the situation and I'm going to muddy, I'm going to muddy my hands and so be it. So, yeah. It's instantly I'm just like, yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, this particular episode was written by Michael Taylor, who was a writer on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, wrote some some pretty key episodes of that show. And uh I think he was actually the guy who was go- when they did that blood and chrome thing where it was going to be like the young Adama thing and everybody hated I think he he was like the creator oh, yeah. of that. So, oh, you know. Interesting. But yeah, he's 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 definitely a solid writer. Um yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out really quickly to the character of Elam Garrick. Yeah. Uh played by Oh, I'm going to mess up. The, oh no, there we go. Andrew J Robinson. Yeah. He's like perfectly sleazy and like slimy and awesome and he he recurs throughout the series Marcelo. So uh, it's it's a wonderful character. I, I really like that guy. Good to know. That's one of the one of the things that makes uh, Deep Space Nine unique is that since they are on a station and everybody's coming to them instead of them going to different planets each week, it has a massive like supporting cast. You know, I mean, it's got like the main seven. You know, whatever like like every other series does. But in terms of like the special guest stars. Um, people who are some people who are on more episodes than the regular cast members um, it's like 10 people deep you know you got Jeffrey Combs you've got you know Andrew Robinson who um, you know plays Garrick and Garrick is is one of people's absolute favorites because he's just the tailor you know and he's like I'm just a tailor guys and everyone's like yeah but but you're really like a secret agent you know and he's like what why would you think that <laughs> how would you think that? I don't know why you why, why you think that, you know? Uh, but he's, he's, he's pretty awesome. He is definitely awesome. So you could call Deep Space Nine the love boat of the Star Trek franchise. You could call it that. I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to go with like a Mass Effect <laughs> comparison, but no, love, love boat. boat. Love, that's good. Yeah. The, the thing about Deep Space Nine and the reason why it's so cool was, I mean, a number of reasons. The, the, the main one being Iris Stephen Bear's involvement. Bear was a writer on like season three of Next Generation. And that's when Michael Piller, who wrote Insurrection, which we'll be talking about in a minute here, came came in. And, uh, you know, he really turned it around and made it into like a show that people love. But at the same time, he was totally embracing that Roddenberry box. Right. And all the other writers who were working on the show were like, we cannot deal with this. We cannot work in this in this uh, under these restrictions. We quit. And the entire writing staff walked out after season three, including Bear. Wow. And um, when Deep Space Nine came around, you know, Pillar was the showrunner on Next Gen. So they went to him to create it. So Pillar created Deep Space Nine. And he went to Iris Stephen Bear, and he's like, hey, I got a new Star Trek show. You want to be my uh, my number one? And he's like, why would you think that I would want to come back to that franchise? And he's like, no, 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 no. We're, don't tell anyone, but we're going to be doing the stuff that you wanted to do. And then I'm going to leave in a couple of years, and then you, it's going to be your show. And Bear's like, 
okay. And then when, when that happened, Bear was basically just like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to make the best show that I can. And when the studio was like, no. And they were able to get away with it because it was always like the second show. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was paying attention to Next Gen and they're off doing their thing over here. Then they launch the UPN with Voyager and Deep Space Nine. And, you know, uh, the, 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 there's uh, this guy, Larry Nemechek, who's um, like a, he was a, a, a journalist who was working like he was basically the beat reporter for Star Trek back through all of this. And he tells this story about how, like, at the premiere of Voyager, he saw Iris Stephen Bear sitting in the corner by himself looking all depressed. And he's <laughs> like, what's wrong, Ira? And Ira's like... Well, you know, I mean, this is so great, you know, long live Voyager and all this stuff, but it's like no one's paying attention to us and, you know, we're really underappreciated. And one day, one day, like 10, 15 years from now, people will find this show and they'll be like, you know what, that was a good show. And now with Netflix, that's exactly what has happened. And this is the show which everyone thinks is, you know, the best because it is. So that's Deep Space Nine. Can I ask a question? What is worth? Yeah, of course. You, you, you kind of touched on it. What exactly is Deep Space Nine? Like, does, is it like a? I'm assuming it's like a sh- like a th- ship that's just like a kind of like a border thing. I don't know. It's it's a space station. Space station. Um, so yeah. it, so it doesn't it doesn't move. Um, the the backstory which they get into is um, it, it's so 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 the 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 Cardassians, which are the guys with the ridges on their on their necks. Okay, yeah. like Garrick. Okay, they were basically the Nazis and the Bajorans, the people with the ridges on their noses. Okay, their planet was occupied by the Cardassians. And basically, there was an uprising. They kicked out the Cardassians and the Bajorans immediately turned to the Federation and were like, can you come in and, you know, run this station for us, help us out because we need protection from the Cardassians. And the Federation was like, yeah, we can totally do that. And meanwhile, there's a lot of, you know, Bajorans who are like, this is some bullshit. We just (laughs) kicked a bunch of guys out. Now you're bringing some guys in. And like, that's the conflict there really is like in a lot of ways, like the Federation are guests and, but they're, they're trying to work like in this, really really tense environment and the station the reason why the architecture and everything is so weird is because it was a cardassian station that was abandoned and they took over and and the whole premise of the show is like basically like this station was orbiting bajor the bajoran homeworld and then they discovered a, a wormhole we're getting really into it now. <laughs> a, a wormhole which takes people to the other side of the galaxy that where people have never been before and now this is sort of like become like the gateway to to everything right and not only are people going over there but there's other people coming back over to our side of the universe and they're not as friendly so okay that's 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 basically it i got so it, it this show more than any other has a, a really pretty dense continuity it's not a show where you can kind of just go in like you could not memento deep space nine (laughs) that would be a really bad idea um like you know it ended with like a 10 part arc and stuff like that and and it it really i mean it gets 
I mean, really kind of some undeserved credit for being like the first serialized television show. It wasn't. I mean, there were a lot of others that were doing this before they were, but it, it certainly was doing it before a lot of shows were doing it. And, you know, kudos to them for that. So. Yeah. I think it's just the one that might have popularized it the most because it was a flagship television franchise, you know? Yeah. Like, I just checked out Crime Story for the first time. That was another Michael Mann, Miami Vice type thing, and that was like 85 or 86. Also really good, by the way. I recommend it. Ends on the cliffhanger, so just go and yeah. knowing that. Yeah. Um, but, like, the pilot is, like, directed by Abel Ferrar, but whatever. That's a whole other wow. thing. But, yeah, yeah, there's other, other little stuff, like, like Mike was saying, that was uh, continuity-based. But I really do think this was the one that was – it kind of drew the most attention to itself because it's like, oh, they did it. Like, they took that risk with within their franchise because Star Trek was not really known for that. Like, even their movies don't really do that still. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. So speaking of their movies, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. should we move on to Insurrection? Yes. Yeah, everyone watch Deep Space Nine, though. It's really good. Yeah, Marcelo. I'll add it to my list. <laughs> okay, I, I, you know, because of Mike, I have to watch Next Generation backwards. Um, yeah. I have to... I have to finally watch that Voyager pilot I slept through. I have to mm. watch Deep Space Nine now, so... And then, what, in a few weeks I have to watch Enterprise? Come on. Come, come on. <laughs> it's well. too much Star Trek. Too much Star Trek. Don't forget about Discovery, you know? I mean, oh, that's, that's right. Uh, Picard. Yeah. Then Picard. Picard's next week, so... Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, Insurrection. The movies. I can watch the movies. <laughs> All right. So, Insurrection. Uh, this is a movie which came out in 1998, December of 1998. It was, uh, you know, two years after First Contact. First Contact was a huge hit, so they were like, of course, we're making another one. They went to Jonathan Frakes, who directed First Contact, and they're like, you want to come back and direct it? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. So he came back and uh, to direct it. And as far as writing it, they went to Michael Piller, who was that showrunner. You know, I mean, he he was he was the guy responsible for making Next Generation what it is. He then left Next Generation to go create Deep Space Nine. He did that for a couple of years, left Deep Space Nine to go create Voyager. And he did that for a few years. And this was basically, I think, kind of at the tail end of his involvement with Star Trek, or maybe he had just kind of left. And they were like, you want to come back and write a next gen movie? Seems like an absolute perfect fit because he's the guy. He was the showrunner of Next Generation. So, um, yeah, they brought him in to write this. And I remember at the time him being on this show called sci-fi vortex which uh by the way i don't know i don't know i i'm sure that some clips exist on youtube or something find them it was the most amazing show it was basically like a weekly science fiction news show but it was the cheesiest 90s thing ever anyway he was on an episode and he was talking about this and he described it as basically apocalypse now in in space and I was like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then I, I saw it. Uh, um, what, did, what, did, what did you guys uh, think of it? Diego, go first. You- <laughs> okay. I actually kind of like this movie. Uh, it's fine. It's it, It's got problems. And I think the problem is that it has to wind up being an action movie by the end. Um, but I think it's got a great premise. 
I actually like the idea of the opening. It doesn't feel like Jonathan Frakes really came to play with the direction, though. It feels like when people say a lot of criticism about this one in particular is that it feels like an extended episode of the series. And I totally it totally is. I think it would have made a better episode of television than a movie uh, because th- this should be like, I don't know, the, the, the premise is, is about uh, Starfleet kind of working like with, behind um, the backs of the, the Federation to kind of like help move this culture of people, like only 600 people, but every life matters, right? Because that's like a basic human empathy thing <laughs> that Star Trek does. So uh, kudos to them. Like, I think that's a great premise. And um, the whole idea of like eternal life versus like losing humanity is like a really compelling thread. Like it's got all these interesting ingredients and it just doesn't, stick the landing with any of them but I, I i like this movie enough i i do not dislike this movie and i think it's easily the second best of the next gen movies <laughs> for now maybe nemesis will change who knows <laughs> okay who knows? all right but uh yeah i i'm a fan okay what about you marcelo so to my surprise uh i never saw this movie before this podcast <laughs> Um, because in my head canon, and this is something I had said many times in the podcast, I mean, somebody go back and make a montage of me saying this, that I had seen every Star Trek movie, every one, but no, apparently I'm wrong. I've, I only stopped at first contact. I have not seen, I did not see, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Nemesis as far as I know. Oh yeah. Oh man. Cause I, I I checked back (laughs) cause I was stunned as soon as this started, you know, and oh, by the way, I've seen this now twice since, you know, since Mm -hmm. last week. Yeah. (laughs) Because we, we kind of took like a two week break because our lives, uh, you know, are complicated and also life itself is complicated. Um, so I saw it the one time for the podcast and I go, okay, I have extra time. I'll watch it again with a commentary. I think Mike suggested that. I had a good time with that commentary. I'll talk about that later. Um, okay, this is my first time seeing it. I, I like this movie. I do. Um, and it had me thinking about like what... Like, something that Diego brought up like, sure, this is an extended episode. It feels like an extended episode TV. But like, what do I want... Well, what do people want in like a Star Trek movie? You know, I feel like if to me, I feel like if it has like an interesting enough idea, if the characters in it, you know, I I understand the motivations, like they're it has you know great performances. If there's enough Star Trek essence in it, I don't really care if it's if it feels like an extended episode of TV. I don't know. That's that's kind of how I feel by the end of it. I enjoyed it. It sure it seems like minimal compared to the scope of like, you know, Star Trek the Motion Picture, um, but or even like Wrath of Khan for God's sakes. Um, but no, I enjoyed it. I I, I, li- I like the initial premise, and, um, and yeah, that's all I can say. I saw I, I thought it was good enough that I saw it twice. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's better than First Contact. I was about to say that, but no, I'm not going to say that. No, no, why? No, why? <laughs> just, just to incite, Whoa. just to incite violence between uh, between us. That's that's all. But no, it's it's good. I think it's good. And Mike's saying, um, uh, this, you know, who was it, Mike, that compared this to Apocalypse Now? The writer, 
Yeah. yeah. That that kind of blew my mind because <laughs> I admit it feels very small, especially when it comes to like the production design. And I'm watching it in the background, and like uh, I just saw the scenes where the the people on the planet I, I forget the, the 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 their names the the Baku, Baku. Oh, yeah it, it it Mike forgot to <laughs> I, I, I will never ever get them straight like there's the Baku and there's the what's the other one the uh, the the Sona, Sona and Sona, and Sona. like they're related but they don't know that they're related and the thing See, and that's that's kind of dumb I'm, that's kind of dumb I, I, I cannot keep it straight um cannot. But, but their home world is it feels very cheap. I don't like it, and like they're just mm-hmm. running through fields, and I don't know. It, it, something could have been done there, but yeah, uh, I get you it. know that get you know you know that big uh, battle that they have between um, Captain Picard and F. Marie Abraham, I think, and the at the very end, thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which and which got, like those those which, blue walls, which was stuff. stolen by Mission Impossible um ghost protocol <laughs> same yes, yes it was same finale yeah. anyway <laughs> yeah you know you know like how that 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 set it has like those cool uh blue walls and yeah. stuff yeah um the reason why those walls are blue is because uh they were planning on putting in some cool effects in the background <laughs> and they ran out of money so they were just like fuck it it works <laughs> Yeah, it's got blue walls. Who cares? <laughs> that's what it's that's space. <laughs> I don't know what it was supposed to be. The but uh, uh, yeah, uh, the the commentary of insurrection, which I I recommend if you just want to have if you like this movie enough to watch it again and just want to have a good time, listen yeah. to Jonathan Franks, the director, scream at uh, who is it? Uh, M- Marina Sirtis. Marina yeah. Sirtis saying, "You're in this movie. You don't know what's going on." She goes, "I don't know." <laughs> Because like I think they recorded this maybe like ten years after the fact. Yeah, um, yeah uh, that's that's funny. Although it get, you know it's, it kind of gets un not unnerving. What's the word like? Like it's like <laughs> I'm assuming she was got you know hammered at the premiere. Had no you know had already forgotten like you know the plot and everything. And like this was just her coming into the commentary saying yeah I've recorded commentary and it being all brand new. <laughs> like what? Yeah. what? Like, asking questions like why is that happening? Why is that happening? Why is that happening? <laughs> But anyway, Frank's Frax just does say he does allude to that Mike. He doesn't say it outright, but he he goes, "Yeah, look at those blue panels in the background. You know, could have could have used something, you know, for that. You know, for those blue panels, could have put something on them." Anyway, <laughs> he's the best, and so is Marina Sirtis. She's and, just like, I don't give a fuck. I mean, that's like her her attitude just in life is like, I don't give a fuck. Whatever. She's great. I love her. And, and there are moments. It's uh, it's it's telling. You know, kind of like to, to to Diego's point, you know, maybe it's not that maybe he didn't come to play, but maybe he just was a bit like he didn't have enough say because like there are moments he commented on which kind of surprised me. He kind of was like up up front about like uh, oh like one moment like um, those kids have that stupid creature that's mm-hmm. supposed to be like a like a plot device like oh it's not only that you care about the kids you have to care about this tiny little mutant creature <laughs> you know the species that's like supposed to be super cute and frax just goes like like look at this like it's ploying Ugh. He, it's like, he hates it but you're the director don't you have power <laughs> don't you have to, can't you just say no let's not do that anyway i don't know like Maybe the producer was like, let's just, let's just have these elements in. Let's just put these things in. And Frax was like, fine, whatever. So, well, yeah, I, I mean, can the, see thing, that. 
the thing about these productions is that they were very much done like television productions. They were produced yeah. by Rick Berman, who ran, you know, all of Star Trek, and he came from the world of television and he ran it like a TV show. So th- there was that going on with it. There was also a lot of other stuff going on with it, which I think is true of any, you know, huge movie like this. But the coolest thing about this movie, to be honest, (laughs) is um, there is a a book that Michael Piller wrote called Fade In, where he chronicles the entire making of this movie from start to finish. It is one of the most candid... uh, accounts of the making of a movie from someone involved that you'll ever see it was one of those things where like he wrote it at the time so it is it's not like he's recalling this years later or anything like that this is like fresh like he wrote it like right away and he's got like all sorts of stuff like you know correspondence back and forth between different departments he's got like budget breakdowns where they're talking about things like if we don't put anything on those walls, we're going to save like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and we could use that somewhere, you know, like things like that. I mean, it's crazy the way that they, they, he just, he just says it all. And because of that, of course, you know, Paramount wasn't like, well, we're going to publish this thing, you know, and it, it sat around for years and years and years until, uh, after he passed away. And, um, actually just a few years ago, his uh, wife published it um, basically as like a textbook, but you can get it now. It's r- really expensive because wow. it's like a textbook. It's like 70 bucks uh, for like a hardcover <sighs> book, but it is awesome. Um, I mean, even if you don't care about the movie at all or anything like that, um, just to see like how uh, a movie is made from a you know, uh, kind of a business standpoint more than anything else. You know, the idea where like he'll he'll go in there and like he's got like tons and tons of pages of script that like he wrote where, you know, everyone was cool with it. And then they take it to Patrick Stewart and Patrick Stewart would be like, I mean, I think there should be some more romance. You know, can we get an action <laughs> beat here? And it's like, OK, so now we got to yeah. add this, you know, and then basically by the time it comes out the other end, you know, if it starts as Apocalypse Now, it ends as Insurrection. And it's like, well, I guess that's cool, you know, but <laughs> you really get the impression where he's like, it's not like he sat down and wrote this and they're like, this is the the Bible that we're going to use, you know, it was basically like managing all of this stuff in order to, to get this to the screen, which I'm sure is what happens all the time. But it's just really interesting to actually see an account of exactly how that happens. So, yeah. Um, as, as far as my opinion on this movie, I, good <laughs> i mean I, I i like it i like it i, I don't think that there's ever been a, a bad star trek movie to be honest but i do think that this is the worst star trek movie oh um, of, of all of them of all of them i mean it, just to to kind of speak to your point marcelo like i i've been logging movies on letterboxd for the past seven years and obviously, I watch a lot of Star Trek. There's been a couple of new Star Trek movies which have debuted in that time frame. And you'd think with rewatches and everything, you know, I did a podcast where we, we went through all 729 episodes in the span of a year. And yet, at least according to Letterboxd, 
this is the first time I watched this movie in over seven years. Wow. That's kind of strange, right? I mean, yeah, but it is. So, yeah, I'm not, not a huge fan, but I, I don't think it's bad. I think it has a lot of problems. I think it just kind of sits there. And that that's the thing more than anything else. It's not like there's something epically wrong with it. I think my, my big problem with it is that there's just nothing about it which stands out. There's nothing about it which makes me go, yeah. <laughs> uh, except for that, that that scene at the end where Frakes is like, uh, we're through running with these from these bastards and then pulls out the joystick. And then, yeah, I mean, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but aside from that. <laughs> which is insane. Okay, I, I, I didn't really pay attention to that first time seeing it. The second time seeing it, of course, Frakes in the commentary points it out. And he goes like, yeah, you know, the kids back then were really into that <laughs> joysticks. I, it was, it's weird, right? What? It's, it's weird, weird yeah. but I like it. I like it. I think it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> and, well, I, th- I think it's weird to me because it's just, it just feels like not futuristic at all, having a joystick. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. But uh, we, you know. we as a society have moved on from joysticks, right? We don't. I think, I think yeah. we have, but <laughs> I think so. it was still, it was still a cool moment to me. <laughs> Also, um, I feel the need to point out the uh, inclusion of Worf in this in this one because we want to track this right. In the last mm-hmm. one, he was in battle. They they his ship was was uh, you know inoperative, so they beamed him over, and he gets involved in the fight. In this one, he shows up. And they're like, hey, Worf, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, and they're like, hang on just a second. And then they, they, they walk away. And then, okay. <laughs> and that's it. So that's it. That's fine. Not as good as the last time, but it's fine. We'll just, we'll just put a pin in that for, for next week. <laughs> um, I actually really like the, the friendly opening where everyone's just like oh this is what everyone's up to like it felt very casual like uh they're the tv i guess aesthetic because this totally does have the tv aesthetic more so than like the plotting i think the plotting could have made for a very exciting like visual feast like uh this would never have happened but like if someone like james cameron directed this this would be like the best star trek movie (laughs) Like I, I truly that believe it because be. it's to, it's totally it's Avatar. It's, mm-hmm. it's Pocahontas is dancing with wolves, but with the space culture. Like that's the, that's the genuine genuine general premise of the story. There, um, it does not even come close to any of the films I just mentioned. But now, you know that's that's I'm there. Imagining Picard having uh, tail sex with like a Navi. I mean. That's that's a nice, and that's all I can picture now. Um, well, but yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 yeah, it's you know, like I said before, the only thing that really bothers me in this movie, really, is that it just feels like very low budget, and I'm not a big fan of the who is it the I already I already forgot again the race of people who they're trying to save. The Baku. The, the Baku. Baku. I don't know why I remember them. Um, <laughs> There's nothing distinguishable not about really. them. They they're, look just like us. Like a bunch of white people on this planet who are begging to be saved, and they're they're passive, and all they have really is the the, the front of youth. That's that's what that's what the bad guys want. That's that's why they're being kicked out. Um, like, well, they're not I, really begging to be saved, right? They're just oh, like, like, it's not really. The, they're just yeah. like, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but uh, they alone. they eventually, you know, <laughs> are saved by Picard and company. But um, well, I, I, the only uh, 
the only element in that I like, I, the one thing I actually like about this movie is, well, I like a lot of things, but the one thing, one of those things I like, let me, let me rephrase, I do like this movie. One of the things I really like is that love story with Picard. Okay. Because I think this, this, may, this I think this is a trend for me. Every time that a captain, he froze perfect. You know, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Every time a captain gets some, then I'm all in. <laughs> Cause why not? <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> what I what I want is just sex and Star Trek. Okay, nothing but sex. Wow. <laughs> I, I watched the original series. You know, that's uh. Maybe that's why I'm a big fan of the original series because it's yeah. yep. a lot of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And 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 uh, maybe my, uh, earlier I said um, I had certain hangups with Picard uh, versus Kirk. But I don't know, just seeing Picard more, uh, 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 the scene with him dancing, like, uh, mm-hmm. that's where that gif came from, that gif, that meme of him dancing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that came from this movie, it comes from this movie. Um, him cutting loose more, him having a romantic interest, um, I, don't know, I liked it. I, I like seeing that side of this character. So, Yeah, yeah, that is that is cool. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, I like F. Murray Abram oh, yeah, as yeah. the villain uh, he doesn't get like that's the thing there's there's just like the rough outline of a movie I could tell I would probably enjoy with better hands or something you know like visually I think this should be much more exciting I think it should not be a race of other humans that they're saving basically I, I think the the action does not need to be as prevalent. I could see where the apocalypse now stuff could come in, which is not really here. Instead of like voyaging through like space jungles or voyaging on a hillside, the Sierra Nevada, I believe. And um, I don't know, like all the every once in a while you watch a movie and it's like that was okay, but you can see the pieces of a better movie there, you know. And like you don't even have to list. A name you just every once in a while that just happens to everyone you're like it's it's almost there and i think that's what's frustrating about it but it, i like I, i'd revisit it it's just a casual watch for me but like oh it's it's i want someone to remake this with the with the new crew like just do a movie like this and don't even say just say like it's inspired by Re- insurrection and i'll be like okay that's it's a good jumping off point if they for a good movie if they came out with that they're like we're doing a new movie it's inspired by insurrection people be like what (laughs) why (laughs) but it does have okay don't don't say it then never mind don't say it (laughs) but you know i mean you mentioned f murray abraham it does have like one of the best moments of uh well acting ever uh, yeah, when when he realizes that he's on the wrong ship. Oh yeah, when they, and he's like, yeah. "No, oh, it's fantastic." Is that is anyway. that is that what he says? He says no. I thought he just went. Arr. I think he was saying no, but yeah, maybe he did go. Arr. Whatever it was, it was it, great. It might have been. It might have started as a no and then ended as an ah. Yeah. You know, like like Voldemort. Like no. See, yeah. I'm super interested. In in this being considered 
the worst for you, Mike. And uh-huh. I can't I can't wait to talk about Into Darkness. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about Into Darkness either. Um and, and even Nemesis I'm end up shooting myself. <laughs> <laughs> even even Nemesis I'm interested in because I, I've always heard that, that is the worst. Apparently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm interested to see Tom Hardy play Picard. Um mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but yeah. Uh but you still say this is a good well, you still say this is not a bad movie, right, Mike? Yeah, it's fine. You know, I mean, like if I were just to walk into a theater and see this movie just in general, I'd be like, "What yeah, year is it?" It's fine. <laughs> you know, you know, like like uh, yeah, like I just watched Bloodshot the other day, and I was like, "That movie's fine." Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't it's got good stuff in there. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like that, but that's like basically the the reaction that I had to this one. You know, it's like, man, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, for me, it's not. It's not. It's a. It's like middle middle bottom. It's not the bottom mm-hmm. for me. Uh, I don't even know what the bottom is now. I think about it. I don't know. Um, I would say, like, as far as fans are concerned, this is probably, like, in the lower middle. You know, yeah. there's, uh, like, people will basically say, like, um, it's fine. You know, it's not as terrible as Star Trek V. It's not as great as Star Trek Two, But it's a fine movie. It's fun. It's fun. Like, like I, I've, I've realized this over in recent years. Like, there is this sort of, like... Uh, coded review which you'll see in particular on twitter when uh someone is really 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 looking forward to a movie like i had a friend who could not wait to see spider-man 3 he could not wait to see it he he he's talked about how like since then he's talked about how like that was the one time where he was like actively anticipating a movie he couldn't wait and then he saw it and it was Spider-Man three. And I think there's a lot of times where like people will, will, will have that investment before seeing a movie and then they'll come out of it and it'll be what it is. And their reaction is this fun, <laughs> you know, which to me means, uh, you didn't like it, but, uh, you feel like you have to say you liked it because you just spent yeah. the past six months talking about how it's going to be, you know, the citizen Kane of, Star Trek movies, you know, uh, that's kind of like I think the reaction that most people have to this. Uh, yeah, because I, of course, didn't come into that. Expect- if if you would have told me, Mike, that this this is going to be the apocalypse now of Star Trek movies, <laughs> then yes, I would have been disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like, you hear something like that, no. <laughs> like there's only going down from yeah. there, and, and it's possible. Like you- I mean, like, and and that's the thing too is like I don't know. I mean, like we've talked about how like with generations, I cannot look at that thing objectively because of where I was in life. I mean, with this one, I was in, even though it was only four years later, I was in a much different place. I I just started going to film school and I was like way into like movies. Like, I mean, I was, you know, super into like the replacement killers and, you know, the big Lebowski. And I'm trying to think of other (laughs) movies that came out in 98 that, you know, whatever. And like, Star Trek, I was kind of like 
falling out of love with Star Trek because I was discovering things like Tarantino. And it's like, okay, so I've been going along watching a bunch of Star Trek movies and, and everything, thinking that this is the shit. And now I'm actually being exposed to cinema, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, insurrection is just not going to hold up. And, you know, for someone who would see everything like the minute it came out, I didn't see this movie until Saturday afternoon, you know, which which is crazy. I know it's like, what, okay, 12 hours or whatever, but that's crazy yeah. that I did not see the very first show of this movie. I was just like, whatever, I'll catch the Saturday matinee. Like, that is the level of interest that I had going into this movie. So th- th- there could be some of that, too, which is sort of carrying over into my love or unlove for this, you know? So if you would have been born maybe four years later, mm-hmm. this this would have been your generations, right? Because, right, you, you would have had... I mean, come on, imagine it, Mike, if this were yeah. in place of generations. Because mm-hmm. to me, if you ask me right now, I'd, I'd put generations at the bottom. Okay. I... I the, again, it's not bad, but... But right now, it's at, at the at the bottom for me, and um, I don't know. It's I could see coming into this if I actually cared about Star Trek, if I had a passion for it, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it to me it hits. Like I said earlier, it checks the boxes enough for me. Enough. It barely gets there, and it's not bad really in any real way. She asked, of course, if 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 a, a more skillful uh, crew came in. You know, told like a better story, better production design. Of course, it would have been a better movie, but yeah, it's it's it it is what it is, and to me, it's fine for a Star Trek movie. For me, it's very clear that there's a bottom rung for for the movies that we've we've gotten through already. So it's like Generations is at the bottom, and then Star Trek Five, and then Star Trek Three. Those are the three that I'm like, I, I just don't think I'll revisit anytime soon. And then Insurrection, which I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I, I wouldn't really recommend it to anybody who's not a Star Trek fan. Okay. I, th- I thought um, you were going to end it there but, to anybody. <laughs> uh, it w- there's a small group of people I'd recommend yeah. it to. Um, you kind of have to be into these already. Like, other ones I would say, like, you could just hop into Wrath of Khan. Like, everyone who watches Wrath of Khan is just like, that's a great movie <laughs> apart from everything else. I think you could do that with the Final Frontier. Not, ooh, ooh, wrong one. Uh, 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 um, um, on what's the oh six? I can't remember the title for six. Undiscovered country. Undiscovered country. I could not remember undiscovered. Thank you. Like that one, I think could actually hold its own because it's just a well-made movie too. But um, yeah, these those last three, not a, not so much. I mean, I, I guess here's the thing about it. It's like to me, and, and I mean, this is going to sound weird, and it's not at all whatever you know, but like. And, and I mean, we, we, we could talk about, well, we'll talk about this in, in terms of generations this week, but, you know, or, or, it would be a more interesting discussion with Nemesis next week. But, like, think about, like, um, okay, a movie like Batman versus Superman, okay, mm. which I, I personally like a lot, right? But... <laughs> Diego I, does too. I'm the odd man out here, mm-hmm. but continue. But 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 not in the world. You know, in the world, you're you're just a regular person. So 
you know, I, I, I really like that movie. And like you, you could compare that to Shazam and you could say one of those movies is better than the other. But I guess like, and, and I'm not g- giving it points for this or, or anything necessarily, but where like most movies, like s- s- most Star Trek movies kind of like strive for like the scope of Batman versus Superman and maybe fail um, I feel like Insurrection was trying to be Shazam, where it's like there is a a a, a lower bar to hit, but it hits it. I don't know if that, and, and I'm not saying. I mean, I, this is uh, I, I I feel like an idiot saying this. <laughs> no, I think I think but, it does make sense. I think it I makes don't know sense. if that you know, yeah. I, I think that tracks because Shazam. I, I actually love Shazam. Shazam's uh, fine. Yeah. As well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I get what you're saying. R- regardless of uh, of personal takeaways from the film, Shazam is clearly like that's a little budget superhero movie. Right. Right. We're just gonna do this uh, little thing over here. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I I actually prefer it to BVS. I think most people do, so that's not even yeah, a fair like most, most discussion. Do. But like, BVS is just like this three-hour biblical epic. Yeah, <laughs> and like Insurrection is definitely more Shazam in that capacity. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 I have a comparison that might that I, I might just bring up here and then talk about more later when it comes to Nemesis and kind of like the, the, the finishing of the arc of next generation. But I'm going to ask you, Mike. So in that comparison, you're kind of comparing this to Shazam. Mm-hmm. What, what would be the, the B for Star Trek? What, what would be the BVS? What would be Batman versus Superman? The I mean, one that in, don't say it. in this particular comparison, I, I would okay. say like the best comparison would be Nemesis. Um, oh Jesus Christ! But okay. I, I mean, I mean, like if we're talking about like uh, overall the entire franchise, I'm, I'm not even sure that I, you know, I, I, it's you can't right. But I mean, like I think the best comparison it would be like this and Nemesis to Shazam and BVS. Fair. Personally, that's that's a good preview to the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. The, the one thing that came to mind um, is the bond movies and how i think now yeah you had your crazy analogy and now i'm gonna have my crazy analogy mike um like i'm kind of comparing this in my head to like the brosnan james bond movies Mm -hmm. where he did it what like four movies um uh, one of those is fantastic the other ones i love tomorrow never dies I know, I know Never I'm, dies is the best. Uh, I, I mean, I think I, I I think I'm on the same page as you. Um, uh, uh, uncredited whoa. uncredited rewrite by uh, Nicholas Meyer, by the way. Jeez, I nice. <laughs> I had no idea. You just blew my mind because <laughs> yeah. maybe that's why I love that movie so much. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, here's yeah. the, uh, not to get into it, but to get into it, uh, basically what <laughs> what Sorry. happened there was uh, like he was like, well, he's friends with Pierce Brosnan. They had made a movie together and they're friends. And uh, Roger Spottiswood, the director, he's friends with him, too, and everything. And basically, uh, studio had a guy write it, hired Spottiswood. Spottiswood's like, I don't really like the script. So he brought in um, Nick Meyer to rewrite it. And Spottiswood's like, this is awesome. I love Meyer's rewrite. And the studio was like, 
I think we should bring in the original writer to rewrite it again. And he did. And Spottiswood is like, what is this? But they're like, well, that's what we're shooting. And he's like, okay. And because of that, because it like the first and the last draft were written by the same guy. And, and like he changed Meyer's stuff. Like Meyer like lost the arbitration and doesn't get credit for it either. So, but uh-huh. like the, the, the Meyer draft was the one that the director actually wanted to shoot and, and, and Brosnan too, I guess it, it was a, but the end result pretty awesome. Anyway, I continue. do love it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, this is like a, something I kind of want to touch on in the next episode too. Um, how I am feeling that this crew of next generation didn't get like the fairest shake when it comes to the movies. I don't know how the star Trek community feels about that. And I know with Picard, I obviously haven't seen that show, but I've just, you know, read things, seen things about like maybe the, you know, the old crews coming back. And I don't know, like Picard just kind of feels like a show that is giving the next generation crew another shot at, you know, getting some closure because, I mean, again, we'll talk about this in Nemesis. Like that one didn't really have a. According to, I mean, not you know, uh, excluding you, Mike. I'm assuming the mass uh, uh, response to that movie was not pleasant. So yeah, so it, it, it I, I see that in in this one for sure. Like, sure, I like it, but. Uh, for for the next generation, maybe it could have been a lot better. So so far, then I can like the best shit because even like to me, generations not good. First contact good. This one, eh. So yeah, that's kind of how I feel in my head. A, a, a weird analogy I just had is comparing these to the Brosnan movies because I love Brosnan, but especially in the last two movies, World's Not Enough and Die Another Day, those are not good. So anyway, that's that's a crazy analogy I want to bring up. <laughs> no, I mean it, it. It tracks. It tracks. I, I I don't necessarily have the same opinions of those movies as everyone else, but as far as you know, like the general whatever and how it went down, I think that's solid. Yeah. There you go, Diego. Do you have a crazy analogy you want to bring up? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think you guys covered it. Um, I do. I do like this movie still, but it's just it's it is frustrating because it's like you could just take this and make such a better movie. Mm-hmm. It's like oh. Jurassic Park costs less than this. <laughs> Fucking Jurassic Park. Seriously? Wow. That's crazy. They spent Jurassic, all their money. The first Jurassic Park was like $60 million. This was $70 million, I think. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What? Mm-hmm. Where does money go anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Who's yeah. counting these checkbooks? Yeah. Sorry. it's That's a personal p- I have a problem with the way movies spend money nowadays. And I think this is just like... The turning point in history. <laughs> insurrection. So, that was where movies. Yeah. I mean, it, came out, it came out a year after Titanic, but insurrections really pushed that's, it over. That's the, it. That's it. <laughs> well, Titanic yeah. is like a visually stunning opera house of a movie, but yes. It, it is really interesting, though. Um, and, and one of the things where I've looked at the budgets, and I don't remember the exact whatevers, but in terms of like budget and actually performance, too. Um, this movie came out a year before Galaxy Quest, and it really is kind of interesting. Like, I'd love to do an Insurrection Galaxy Quest double feature at some point, um, because, it, it you know, Galaxy Quest is like the lower budget kind of like Star Trek spoof thing, and yet a lot of people think that it does... Uh, 
what Star Trek does better than, you know, any of these next gen movies. So, I mean, that's just kind of a weird little thing. So, I don't know. So, okay. So, so that's it for, for insurrection. Yeah. I think I've got nothing else to say. I think we covered it all. Next week is the final next gen movie, uh, nemesis. And, uh, we're pairing that with, you know, with it being the final next gen movie. Um, after after you watch Nemesis, you should watch the first episode of Star Trek Picard, which in a lot of ways is kind of a sequel to Nemesis. So, uh, yeah, we'll check that out. Um, you could do, I mean, I, you, I, use your best judgment with that. The first episode works fine on its own. The first three episodes were kind of a whatever. So if you want to, you know, watch more than one episode, watch more than one episode, but you don't have to. Um, but yeah, but there is a short track there, which you should, I mean, you can watch it if you want. You don't have to. Um, <laughs> but the Children of Mars short track, the last short track is kind of a prelude to Picard. So whatever. Star Trek Nemesis, Star Trek Picard, season one, episode one. But until then... Marcelo, where can people find you on the internet? Talkfromsociety.com Read us, listen to us, love us. Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfromsociety Support us, uh, listen to us, read us, love us. And also, I just want to point out uh, uh, we're what, like uh, we're recording this beginning of June 2020. Not sure exactly when this is coming out. Whether our, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure it'll be kind of like a Bayham Patreon first and then eventually free feed. But I'm hoping that the movement that's going on currently uh, with Black Lives Matter and um, uh, the movement of uh, wanting to defund the police and dealing with that fucking system of oppression that's that's been uh, fucking killing America for the last hundred years, hundred plus fucking years. Hopefully that's still going on. People still care about that. So please... Support that. Uh, donate to those causes. Support that. Don't forget that that's an ongoing effort. So whenever this comes out, I'm hoping people still care. So please do some research and be active. That's all. All right. What about you, Diego? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Diego Crespo and check out the Waffle Press on uh, also our Patreon and YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and there's like a hundred percent chance I will also be still blasting links for for BLM, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, not not the blue ones, because those aren't a real thing. You could take off a uniform, uh, and and a bunch of other um, uh, trans friendly, LGBTQ friendly uh, black uh, movements and um, petitions and places to donate to help people's voices be heard, so we can make some change for the better in this world. Insurrect the real world. <laughs> Because our prime directives are stupid. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, hey, I mean, you know, Star Trek is always about uh, change. You know, they've been tackling these issues for the past 53 years or whatever, 54 years. So, you know, um, it's it's worth noting on a Star Trek podcast, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't you share this, like, maybe this past week, Mike, about how you know certain Star Trek fans don't want it to get political. <laughs> you know, these, oh yeah, these they're shows. my favorite Star Trek fans. Oh man, I mean, do, do they 
I, I, I love Star Trek, but do, do they really need to be so political all the time? <laughs> I don't, why can't they just go back to like it was in uh, in the original series? You know. I don't. What do you? Nobody watches anything. <laughs> they they just like passively view it. I don't. I don't get it. I, I honestly have no idea what they're watching. You cannot watch. I mean, that's the thing. Like you watch Deep Space Nine, and I mean, I had the same reaction after nine eleven. Have the same reaction now. I just watched that episode that I, I was, you know, mentioning to you guys, Far Beyond the Stars, and you watch it, and you're like, this was written today right i mean they wrote this episode today i mean there's another one called i mean it's insane how and and i I was going to say ahead of the curve they were but they're not it's just that this has been going on for ever right and it's it's just never not relevant but that's why i love uh star trek you know, the, the great episodes and the great movies, they stand the test of time because it feels like the, they could have been written yesterday because yeah. they had something to say back then, uh, which is still... Re- I mean, sometimes it's fucking sad that it's still relevant, but it's been going on forever, and I'm just hoping it doesn't go on until, what, the 23rd century, so... Yep, yeah. yep. Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on uh, my website, uh, filmdamagepod.com, where we do a show called Film Damage about uh, film projection. And we are starting up a new show, which uh, I'm sure will be up by the time that this thing drops, called... uh, It's a Star Trek-related show. It's called called, uh, (laughs) Elementary Temporal Mechanics with Professor Max and the uh paradox pals including mike where uh my friend max uh goes through uh we're we're alternating between episodes of star trek and and movies like just general movies talking about uh time travel plots and breaking down the time travel to see whether or not they actually make sense like for real so like we did back to the future and let me tell you Time traveling back to the future doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> so uh, head on over to filmdamagepod.com and, and check that out. And yeah, it's, it's pretty much it. All right. You guys ready? You guys ready for this? I'm ready. Yes, that's, yeah, I'm that's ready. Right. I was born ready. Here okay. we go. All right. Three, two, one. I, I have, have had, had enough. enough. Of, of you, you. you. <laughs>